hate to interrupt. There's some good fellowshipping and talking going on. I hate to interrupt. But I will tell you, we had a lock-in on Friday, and I was awake the whole time. And my Sunday afternoon nap is going to be good. <laughs> um, I really like that song that we just sang for a couple of reasons. Um, I think it's just a good song. My brother also wrote that song. But also I think about it every time I eat ice cream. So you can too. It's like, this is graders, graders. So <laughs> we're going to be in li- we're going to be in. <laughs> That's the kind of participation I like. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 19. Uh, you can open up your Bibles to Luke 19. Uh, as you get there, I'm going to tell you a story that is going to sound fictional. It's going to sound made up. But I guarantee you, I did all the research. This is a true thing that happened. And I, when I first heard it, I thought there's no way this is true. But I, I, I kept pressing in and, and I, I, I think it's been verified. And so uh, just bear with me. You're going to think this is a lie. It's not. In 1976, there was a young 20-something in Pittsburgh whose name was Rick Steigerwald. And Rick was kind of known in Pittsburgh for sneaking into every home game at the Pittsburgh Steelers Stadium. He never bought a ticket. He always snuck in. And so in uh, 76, the Steelers had a pretty good year. They were on a pretty good run. They played some team from Dallas, and I won't tell you how the game ended. Um, but Rick, who had been to you know, all these home games and had snuck in, was determined to go to the Super Bowl and to watch the Steelers. But he had a couple problems. One, it was in Miami at the Orange Bowl, and he lived in Pittsburgh and didn't have a reliable car that was going to get him to Florida. Uh, but most of all, like kind of the biggest problem is he didn't have a ticket. Like, he couldn't buy a ticket. Uh, he didn't have a seat in the stadium. But that didn't stop him. He and a buddy and some of his brothers found an RV that they could uh, borrow, and they drove down to Florida, and before they left, this guy, Rick, Stein, uh, was it Rick Steigerwald, I always want to call him a different last name, he made a grappling hook, like, with a rope and knots, and like, he's going to climb the Orange Bowl and get into the Super Bowl. And so they get, they get this, this RV, and they get down to Miami, and so first obstacle clear, like, they're here, they're, they're at the Orange Bowl, and so it's the day of the game, and they're kind of scouting, like, where can we get in, where can we climb, and uh, in, at the Orange Bowl, they had like police officers on horses guarding the stadium and they were doing laps and so Rick and his brothers start timing the police officers how long it takes them to get around the stadium and then they, they, they kind of get the timing right and they found this sort of like small sort of like rain covering like pavilion that they could climb and then there was about 20 feet of chain link fence and if they got over the chain link fence they could get into the Orange Bowl and, and watch the Super Bowl if they could find a seat so uh, he thinks this is a pretty good plan, but so do like 50 other people around him that were also trying to sneak in. And so they all like run, like the, the police officers go by, they bum rush this building and people are like helping each other up, you know, and they're like pulling, let's sneak in, come on, they can't catch us all. Um, he actually got to ditch his grappling hook because everyone was just like helping him up. But now he's got to like climb this 20 foot fence 
and here come the, the officers, and so they're like starting to get people down, but Rick is determined, and he gets to the top, and he helps one of his, he actually gets over, and then one of his buddies gets stuck, so he has to go back over and help his buddy up, and so they're in, they get in the Orange Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday, but now he's got to find an open seat. And so a normal person would be like, I'm going to go to the most sort of like low-key, like no one's going to be looking in this corner or whatever. Not Rick. He's like, I'm sitting on the 50-yard line. So he just acts like he has his, knows where he's going. He's confident. And he goes down to the 50-yard the line. He says he's sitting next to ex-players. People got up to perform during the halftime show that were like sitting around him. Uh, and before the game started, he was sitting there. And a guy came up and said, hey, do you have tickets for this seat? And he's like, what, you're the ticket guy? He was like, oh, no, but my company bought this whole row, and no one else is going to be able to make it, so these seats are open if you want them. So he just lucked out. And so he watches the Pittsburgh Steelers win Super Bowl X in the 50-yard line around players and coaches. He had no ride. He had no ticket. He had no seat, and he sits on the 50-yard line. And watches the game. And not only that, I'm going to like fast forward a little bit through the rest of the story. But the game ends, and he's like, I'm going to get the game ball. So he goes and he gets on the field. And then he sees the Steelers going in the locker room. He's like, I'm going to go meet Terry Bradshaw. And so he goes into the locker room with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's talking to Terry Bradshaw like, hey, that was a great game. And the media comes up, and he's standing in front of the running back's locker. And they start interviewing him as if he's the running back who just won the Super Bowl. And he's just, like, going along with it. He's a boxer, and he starts, like, talking about boxing. And then he goes and takes a shower in the locker room. And then he comes back, and finally someone was like, who is this guy? And so these two other guys kind of come, and they escort him out. But they escort him out the player's exit. And so there's all these fans, like, waiting. And he starts signing autographs. And then he gets on the team bus. Like this, this aisle like that he was exiting out, he went up on the team bus and he said, hey guys, great game, go Steelers, proud of all of you, see ya. And he got off the bus and he went home. Like, against all odds, this man with no ride and no ticket gets to the Super Bowl, gets in the locker room, gets on the team bus, just out of sheer will and luck. And in Luke chapter 19, we meet a guy that's very similar to Rick Steigerwald. He's a guy who was determined, who was focused, who was going to do anything to see what he wanted to see. You know him as a wee little man. His name is Zacchaeus. But he's not just some cute little guy. He's the man who made incredible effort to see Jesus and was rewarded with incredible access. So I'm going to read Luke Chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He being Jesus, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, 
The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for a a time of year, a season to reflect, to look backwards on your faithfulness, your goodness to us, and God, a, a time to look forward and to prepare and to make commitments that we might live a life that is worthy of your gospel, that we might honor you with our our thoughts and our words and our deeds. So God, use your spirit in this time to convict our hearts, but more than convict, God, inspire, encourage. Let us have a burn with a passion like Zacchaeus that would take us to see Jesus more clearly than ever before. Let it start this morning, not because of my words, but because of your word. In your son's name, all God's people said, amen. This is an amazing story. It's a, it's a prism of a story. You can look at it from so many different angles, uh, seeing what Jesus' ministry looks like, seeing how Jesus doesn't fit into the boxes that we want to put him in, or you can see how Jesus chooses unlikely people to bring good and justice to the world. But what I want to focus on this morning is, is just kind of two verses and, and wh- who Zacchaeus was and what he did. Because I think Zacchaeus is such a relatable character to all of us. He's someone we can look to and we can envision ourselves in a similar situation. Because many of us go through the same thing every single day. In verse 3, I love this verse. I don't know why Zacchaeus wanted to do this. I don't know. But it says, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. And many of us can relate to that. We, we want to know Jesus. We, we want to see him. We want to emulate what Jesus does. We want to imitate him. But a lot of times we just, we just don't. We don't draw near Jesus. We can't see the Lord because so many things get in our way. And the same was true for Zacchaeus. He had all these obstacles in his way to seeing Jesus. All of these things were standing in his way, and yet he, he persevered. He, he committed to actively partake in going to see Jesus. Here are just three of Zacchaeus' obstacles. Now, first one is the one we all know about, his stature. I don't have any theological musings on this. Like, he's just short. Like, he's just a short guy. Like, Darcy and I were in uh, New York City recently, and we went to see uh, the Rockefeller Christmas tree in, in Rockefeller Center. It was us, uh, like me and her, and then like probably like 100,000 other people. Uh, it was a lot of people. And so I could see the tree, and Darcy could see the tree pretty well through the crowd. But like if Tony Richards were there, I'm not sure she'd have been able to see the tree. <laughs> she'd have to be pushing through the crowds, you know. Um, but so we can, um, we've been in situations where we can, like we've had to push through. To, we've, we've been, we, can, we can envision this moment of like, I, I can't see what's going on. I've got I've to push through. I can never really get to the front. So there was a physical obstacle in Zacchaeus' way. The, the crowd wouldn't let him see Jesus. And there was a re- I think there was a reason for that, because his stature was not his only problem. It was also his status. His status was an obstacle. See, the fact that everyone was taller 
than Zacchaeus was not as much of a factor as the fact that everyone in the crowd probably just hated Zacchaeus. They wanted to push him out. Because it, we see, Luke makes very clear, he wants to tell us right up front, he's a chief tax collector. And so he's not just like a tax collector like we think of paying taxes, but he was the tax collector for the conquerors, for the Romans, the invaders. He wasn't just a money guy. He was a, he was a traitor. He betrayed Israel. He worked for this occupying force, Israel's enemy. He was an Israelite who served their enemies. And in addition to that, the way the Roman tax system worked was Rome just collected the money. They didn't set the prices. The chief local tax collector did that. And so if, if you took in X amount of coins, gold, and Rome wanted less than that, you get to keep the money. So the, these taxes were high, and he was getting personally wealthy. He's not just a chief tax collector. He was rich. So he was making a lot of money off of these people using the power of the enemy government. So to those Israelites, to that crowd, Zacchaeus was a traitor and a thief. And not just that, but this is a problem for Zacchaeus because he knows about Jesus. He knows what people are saying about Jesus. This guy's the Messiah. This guy is the, the he's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. He's going to restore it to its former glory. I'm Zacchaeus. I work for the, the, the bad guys. It's not smart for me to go see this king who's going to restore Israel. I should probably hide from him. Zacchaeus had no way of knowing that he wasn't going to be the first pawn to fall in this prophesied war. His status as a Roman loyal tax collector should have kept him far away from this conquering king. But it didn't. He still sought to see who Jesus was. So his stature was a problem, his status was a problem, and his sin was a problem. It was an obstacle. We read in verse 8, after they've had this meeting, they're in Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus tells Jesus, he kind of shows his cards a little bit, he says, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. It's kind of like a teenager coming to their parent and being like, so hypothetically, if I threw a party while you were out of town and you were going to find out about it, again, totally hypothetically, how much trouble would I be in? Like, like Jesus kinda sh or Zacchaeus kind of shows his cards a little bit like, if I defrauded anyone, I'll pay it back. Like, if he didn't defraud anyone, you wouldn't bring it up. So by, by the nature of the question, he's admitting that he's defrauded people in his work. So all of these Israelites think of Zacchaeus as a thief, and they were right. He is a thief. He lives with these people. He sees their family. He sees them work. He sees them struggle. He probably does trade with them, and then he uses his power and influence to rob them with no consequences. He's not just this cute, wee little man. He's kind of a jerk. He's a thief. And he's not a thief that steals out of need. He's not a thief that steals out of lack. He's not Robin Hood giving, stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. No, he steals because he likes to be rich. And he doesn't want other people to be rich. And if it means he's going to be rich and you're going to be poor, that's okay with him. That's the kind of person 
that seeks Jesus? This thief, tax collector, traitor is the the kind of person who is seeking the Lord? Well, that doesn't seem right. Like, someone that sinful should be repulsed by the idea of Jesus. We, we think of someone like that, and we, we, we may not admit it, but we, we probably think like this, like, man, that person's so far from God. Like, that person is not walking the right path. They're just, they're just doing their own thing. But maybe those people who we think of as so sinful, as so bad, as so distant from God, they may just be one encounter away, one tree climb away from knowing the saving power of Jesus. So let's not count people out when they seem so far away because we never know how close they really are. So those are the three things keeping Zacchaeus from Jesus, his stature, his status, and his sin. Now, in your worship guide, there's uh, a question, and I want to take some time to do some some self-reflection as we look to the, the new year. Zacchaeus has obstacles in his attempts to seek the Lord. And so do we. Everyone in here. If you are in Christ, I'm, I'm sure you, you should want to seek the Lord. You should want to see Jesus and know Jesus. And we all know that we can do better. And so if we really want to seek the Lord, we need to know what those obstacles are that are in our way. Now it looks very different. Like No one's not seeing Jesus in here because they're too short right? Um, but maybe our, stat, our social status is an obstacle. Maybe we're worried about what people are going to think if we actually live our lives as if we were seeking Jesus. Maybe it's going to hurt us financially, or maybe it's going to hurt some relationships that we hold very dear. So I want you to just think and, and write for yourself what obstacles are preventing you or going to prevent you from seeing Jesus clearly in 2023. Is it, is it time? And if it is time, what's taking up more time than it should be taking up? Is it social pressure? Is it, is it laziness? Because that's the case for me sometimes. Like, I'm just too lazy to open my Bible in the morning and the afternoon and the evening and nighttime. Like, I'm just, I'm just too lazy. So just take a few seconds. I'm just going to, it's going to be like awkwardly quiet in here. But I just want to like give you some time just to think about it. To write it down. Try, try to be specific. If you're like, I didn't get a worship guide, it's also in the church app. now, after seeing the obstacles, we get to move to the beauty of who Zacchaeus is. We see all these obstacles, all these things in his way, all these cards stacked against him, and what does he do? He doesn't give up. He doesn't let the people's narrative about him keep him away. He doesn't let his own sin repel him from the Lord, but no, he embraces his need for Jesus. He embraces his need for change, and we don't know why. Like, it doesn't tell us. But Zacchaeus is committed to seeing Jesus. 
He's going to do whatever it takes. He's not relying on chance. He's not relying on a miracle. He's not relying on hearing it from, from somebody else. He's not content with that. He's going to make it happen. He's like Rick going to the Super Bowl, right? He's like, I'll climb anything. I'll time any cops that are running around on horses. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll sit anywhere. I am going to see this Jesus. He's going to take an active effort in seeking out Jesus. And here's where I've gotten it wrong so many times in my life. And kind of the, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this text is because I have fallen into this trap of thinking like, well, I have the Holy Spirit, so now I should just know and act on how to seek Jesus like all the time, right? It's like a switch. Like I wasn't a believer over here and I was like, don't care about Jesus, don't want to follow him, don't care about his rules. And then like I'm converted and now I'm over here and I'm like, yeah, like I want to read my Bible all the time and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like follow Jesus perfectly and I'm going to do all this stuff. And that's just not how it works. Like I'm, I'm floating in between here, right? And I feel this pull to not follow Jesus, to not seek the Lord. And so there is work, there is effort that we have to put in. We have to actively seek out Jesus. We should be taking active efforts to fight against our obstacles and to overcome them. So what does Zacchaeus do? He does two specific things. First, he pursues. He pursues Jesus. Zacchaeus probably pretty quickly realizes that he's not going to get through the crowd. And so, like, what does he do? He doesn't, he doesn't pack it up and go home. Not going to get through these guys. These jerks don't want to let me see Jesus. No, he makes a plan. He's like, I'm going to run ahead, and I'm going to climb this tree, which were two very not respectable things for a wealthy Israelite man to do, but he doesn't care. He's going to do whatever it takes. He's willing to do anything to see Jesus. If he had to make a grappling hook, he would have done it. That is the attitude that I hope that we can carry through 2023. That we are going to seek Jesus. Actively pursue Jesus with whatever it takes. No attention paid to what people think or what we might lose out on or what uh, uh, events we might miss or whatever. Nothing else. We've got one thing in our view. And it's seeing Jesus more clearly than we've ever seen him before in our lives. And knowing him deeper and deeper and deeper. Let me give you a, a practical example from, from my own life. I wake up in the morning, every morning, with the intention to read my Bible. I want to do it. I even usually see my wife doing it. I'm like, oh, I should probably do that. But then I'm like, I'll make my coffee. And then I'm like, I'll check my phone. And then I'm like, I'll shower. And then I'm like, oh, I'll get ready. And then, oh, I've got to go to work. I'll do it tonight. And then I'm like, oh, I don't do it that night. I'll do it tomorrow. If Zacchaeus had had my attitude, he would have given up after the first pushback from the crowd. Honestly, if Zacchaeus had my attitude, he might have been like, meh. Like, he maybe wouldn't even have tried very hard. But Zacchaeus is not like me. Zacchaeus was stronger than I was. Now, he was shorter, but he was also stronger. His passion his desire to see Jesus. He didn't just want it. He needed it. I need to see Jesus. Whereas too many times I see it as optional. 
pursuing Jesus, climbing that tree for me is recognizing the deep need I have for God's word, to hunger for it and to respond actively to that hunger. No one in this room gets hungry and then is like, I'll just sit here. No, what do you do when you're hungry? You go eat. In the same way, we should recognize our deep need, our deep hunger for God's word and go feast on the, the myriad of stories and, and, and instruction and everything that he has given us in his word. Not passively. We don't just take it in through osmosis. We, we go and we do it. We see the tree ahead and we sprint to it. We lose sight of all those things that we think we need and we run to that thing we actually need. So Zacchaeus actively seeks Jesus by running ahead and climbing that sycamore tree. So the question for you today is how in the new year are you going to actively seek the Lord? What steps, what efforts are you going to put in to seek Jesus in 2023? Obviously climbing trees isn't really going to help us. But here are the, the three easiest things I can tell you. Seek Jesus in his word. Seek Jesus in prayer. And seek Jesus in his people the church. If you commit with half the passion of Zacchaeus to read your Bible, to cry out to God, to love and to serve your church in the coming year, I guarantee you, you will see Jesus more clearly in 2023 than you did in 2022. So brief second, how will you actively seek the Lord this year? A brief word of encouragement and a resource that I want to make available to you. Uh, first, this actively seeking Jesus is not done in a vacuum. Like G, uh, Zacchaeus made a go of it on his own and he, it worked out for him, but you don't have to do that. Like look around at all the brothers and sisters, all the saints in this room that will help you pursue and seek out Jesus. The most successful way to do any of, of these things that we do uh, to seek Jesus, to read, to pray, to serve, is to do it with a close friend or a family member who's going to hold you accountable. Uh, so that's just a brief word of, en of encouragement and, and help. But I also want to make a resource available. I put, there's a QR code in the worship guide. And if you're on the app, there's a link at the bottom. And it go goes to a page with a couple of resources that give you some Bible reading plans, some apps that can help you if you're an app person, some books. If you, wanna, if you want one of those books in there and you want me to buy it for you, just come tell me after the service, so I'm going to make that available to you. But no matter what your plan, your, your resolution, or whatever, the steps that you choose aren't what's important. The important thing is who the focus is on. The most important person you could ever know, the most important relationship you could ever have is available to you. Are you taking part in it? Are you just acknowledging it's there or are you enjoying it are you pursuing it it's not going to happen passively no switch is going to get flicked 
the learning through osmosis. He pursued, actively pursued. And then lastly, his second, he pursued and he repented from his sin. He repents from his sin and he pays reparations to all those that he has wronged. Repentance is a crucial step to growing to look more and more like Jesus. We all have sin to deal with. We've all wronged people. Many of us have wronged people that are in this very room. What if we started 2023 with quick repentance and quick forgiveness towards one another? What if we started by clearing our conscience, by confessing that hidden sin and letting God's mercy work miracles? So the last question on your worship guide, what sins might you need to repent of as you enter into the new year? I'll give you a second to think and write that and answer it. Sitting in awkward silence is one of the spiritual giftings of of youth ministers, so I'm pretty good at it. If we seek Jesus this year, but we lack repentance, it's all for naught. But I guarantee you, if you begin to, to seek Jesus and to see his glory more clearly, the need to unburden yourself of your own sin will be more and more necessary. You will see yourself as more and more and more sinful, but you will see Jesus as more and more and more radically forgiving and full of grace than you've ever known. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He came for you. He came to take the burden from you. You that's stuck in your sinful, hidden sin cycle, the the person that feels like they can never get it right, the one that feels like they just keep failing over and over and over again, he came For you, he tells us in verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So we've been putting a lot of focus on Zacchaeus, a lot of focus on how we can be like Zacchaeus to seek Jesus. And I think we should because Zacchaeus' actions here are worthy of honor. They're, They're commendable. We should strive to seek Jesus as passionately as he does. But he's not the only one who's on a search that day. I love when Jesus comes to the place and he looks up and he doesn't say like, whoa, what's this guy doing? Oh, that's, he's not shocked. He's not taken aback, but he says, Zacchaeus, I've got to go to your house. We have to put a lot of effort into knowing Jesus. But Jesus doesn't have to put any effort to know you. We have to put a lot of effort into knowing Jesus, but Jesus doesn't have to put any effort to know you. He knows you. The same way he knew that he was going to Jericho to meet Zacchaeus, it was always his intention. He always knew that he was going to go and renew the heart and mind of this tax collector so that he would bless the city that he had ravaged. 
And in the same way, he knows that he's going to renew the hearts and minds of so many more. And he knew that he was going to renew the heart and mind of so many people that are sitting in this room. The beauty of this story is not that Zacchaeus did a lot of stuff. It's not that Zacchaeus put in effort. The beauty is that Jesus, before the foundations of the world were laid, knew Zacchaeus, knew he would be saved, and made it so. Why did Zacchaeus seek Jesus? We don't know. But we do know that it led to his renewal. The image we get of Jesus in this story is one of changing. He's reshaping. He's reforming who Zacchaeus is. He's a God of renewal. It's one reason I think we love the new year. We love New Year's resolutions because we're going to make changes. We're going to plan for the future. We're going to dream of a better version of ourselves. It's a very human problem. Do, we, do you know where the name January comes from? The, the name is... The god Janus uh, of the Roman pantheon was a two-faced god who looked backwards and looked forwards. And he was on the, the mantle of every home in the Roman world because people knew it was important to look backwards at who they were and look forwards to who they could be. It's a human problem. We know that we need fixed. We know that we need renewal. The problem is we look to books and to workouts and to diets. And what we really need is the day-by-day spiritual renewal of our hearts and our minds. I read this quote this week on social media. It's going to be up on the screen. An author, her name's Emily Jensen. She puts it this way. Turn wholly to the God of renewal. God doesn't give us a habit tracker for holiness. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He wants us to take all our desires, sins, frustrations, and longings to him and depend on him for help and strength. Only one resolution is truly required, that you would resolve to follow Christ in faith all the days of your life. Jesus does not need your works. Jesus does not need your efforts. Jesus does not even need you to save you. He's already taken the initiative. He's already taken the first step. Now all you must do is turn to him and follow in faith. So my prayer for you and for our church is that we use this new year to look closer, to dig deeper, to make an active effort to pray and study and love and serve. Our efforts to seek Jesus are not what save us, but they are the cobblestones that build a path for your life forwards, a life of, to a life of truth, of beauty, of goodness, and of the joy of the gospel. When you seek Jesus, you will experience life more abundantly. You'll be more fulfilled. You'll have more joy. You don't have to drive across the country. You don't have to climb a small building and then scale a 20-foot fence to see him. Zacchaeus didn't have to climb the tree. But don't you think that he's glad that he did? The invitation is the same for you. Jesus knows you. He's calling your name. The only difference is he doesn't just want to enter your house. He wants to rule your heart. He wants you to serve him with your whole life. So don't rely on yourself for change. Don't rely on your own efforts. 
But if you pursue Jesus, you will be changed forever. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for stories of broken, sinful men who seek you out, who long to know you. And God, we are grateful that when you saw Zacchaeus, it was not rebuke that came to your lips. It was not dismissal. It was not conviction. But God, it was love. It was an invitation. And God, when he saw your son, when Zacchaeus saw his face, he knew he had to change. And Jesus declared him a son of Abraham. One of the family of God. So God, we pray that there, we know there are those in this room that are not part of that family, but you are calling their names. And they're staying away from you. They're not climbing trees to see you. They're running away, but God, you are pursuing them. God, would you convict their hearts, turn them around, let them accept the invitation because you came to seek and to save the lost. God, change their hearts. God, for those that have already committed themselves to you, would they pursue you deeper? Would they actively put in effort to see you more clearly, not to earn your love, not to earn their salvation or any reap any benefits? They're not going to get a special star or crown in heaven. But God, they're going to get the abundant life that you intended for us. God, use this time we've set aside to renew us, to change us, and ultimately to make us love your son deeper and help us look and speak and think and act like you would. It's in his precious name that we pray. All God's people said, amen. We're going to enter a time of response. Perhaps you just need to stand and sing and worship this God who is renewing you day by day by day. Perhaps you need to grab someone who's sitting next to you and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's, let's commit to seeking Jesus together. Let's pray together. Let's read God's word together. Or maybe there's someone in this room that you need to go find and say, I have sinned against you. And I humbly ask your forgiveness. If you don't know who Jesus is, I'm, I'm going to be down here. I'd love to introduce you. You don't have to climb a tree. You don't have to walk the aisle. Just find me afterwards. He knows you. He loves you. Let's pursue him this year. Let's stand and sing.